how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. We wanted to create a human story with foam and rubber, said director Louis Leterrier. The son of a director and costume designer, Louis originally wanted to be a musician, but eventually followed his passion for movies and became a director. These days, he's best known for directing The Transporter, Unleashed, The Incredible Hulk, Now You See Me, and the Netflix series The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. In this interview, Louis discusses how he became a director by accident for The Transporter, why he's obsessed with world-building and unlikely heroes, how filmmakers and characters need hero moments in life, why he prefers to take the lead on things never done before, and how ideas can grow into truths. For Dark Crystal fans out there, make sure to also listen to the episode 209, where I spoke with creators Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews, who suggested a handful of questions in this interview. And if you enjoyed this interview, join millions of viewers for the new YouTube video essay series, Creative Principles, which dissects films, series, and more. My, my father is a director and my mom's a costume designer. And, and so I wanted to become a musician. I really did. I didn't want to do it at all what my parents did <laughs> because I was like, ah, yeah, I don't want to do what my you know mom and dad do, but it's it's it was it was exactly that. So so yeah, I tried to become a musician and then and then couldn't help myself but do little short films since you know I was eight. So but I was like films for me, film was just like it was just it was too obvious. I was just I wanted to fight. I want to be a little bit of a rebel uh but then realized i was not good enough of a musician so i decided to be a director <laughs> uh, no direct i actually never thought i would become a director i just loved movies i just was i i just realized that that that's my life and whether i i i want to fight it or not that's that's what makes me happy so i did everything i learned to edit i learned to camera operate to act to do costumes to do everything because i never thought i would become a director and then one day i became a director 
how did that kind of help you, like wearing all those hats, trying different things out? When you finally did start to direct some, how did all that different experience help you? It just helped me speed up the process. I think ultimately I was not the best camera operator, not the best editor, not the best everything, not the best writer, but I was, uh, I'd been far enough in trying to understand how these uh, professions work that I was able to to give precise notes to the different uh, people uh, at uh, you know uh, uh, at the different uh, my different department heads but also the people on set like I knew what it took to move the camera left and right so I was able to tell my grips uh, or my gaffers or everything, how to light this stuff. And I was just trying to, I was, I understood what their struggle was and how to ease the stuff and, and, and how, what would make it for a better shot or, or at least an easier way to achieve what we needed. So ultimately it sped up the process. It doesn't mean that I became better, but I just became more efficient um, uh, in understanding how everything worked clicks together like i worked long enough on set and you know in, at several levels to understand what how a director can uh, uh truly get the crew and the cast to accomplish his vision uh and 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 also what they what they do that is wrong and actually hinders the process so that's what happened what do you look for in a story? I mean, you kind of start with more action, uh, and, and has that changed over the years? Like, how do you kind of look for new challenges as you come to new projects? I, I started with action out of uh, by accident. I became I became a director by accident. I was the second AD on a movie that that uh, where the director came was was double booked in another movie and because of the the actors availabilities we had to start the movie almost without the director uh and i was the second ad then and the first ad didn't want to do this and so i stepped up and said all right well i'll I'll start the movie for the for the person and eventually he showed up but he just was like oh i'm i'm just my head's not into it so i'll just do I'll do the fight choreography, and and then you, it was a it was a Chinese director, and that movie was the transporter, the first transporter with Jason Statham. So, it, and the movie was successful. So I just I, I became this action guy. But my my pace was really into world building. The, the movies that grew up watching were more the Steven Spielberg, the Frank, you know, the, the Jim Henson and Frank Oz movies, the Robert Zemeckis, Richard Donner. So uh, uh, all these movies. Uh, 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 John Landis, like all these, all these, these amazing directors that were creating entire worlds and and new characters and and playing with time and and obviously George Lucas and creating with creating new technologies to this to to invent a world and to this to to uh, film their vision. So that's what I was into. So I had to, I had to, once you put in a box in Hollywood, you know, it's hard to break out of this box. It took me a long, long time to pull out of this act, action only um, uh, genre. But, but doing action actually really freed me because I was able to play very early on in my career with lots of crowds and amazing camera toys and camera movements. And, and it's, 
it's the same muscle that you use to tell to 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 build an entire world. So to answer your question of like what sort of stories was I drawn towards, it's 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 ultimately I'm I'm drawn towards very human stories, but 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 not drowned, but like he, like like almost disguised as entire you know, world build world build like an entire new universe creation. So so my yeah uh, from 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 the Incredible Hulk uh, to you know to the, this one to to you know the the now you see me with the magicians i always tell stories of very very no small people normal people that are that are tasked or or projected thrown pushed into the swimming pool of the of a or of a roaring river of of an adventure and of life and i think it's always that and i would really this sort of like fish out of water type of story, I absolutely love. I love my I'm French, so I love a reluctant hero. I love an entire hero. I just love. I love people that say, "I am not that person," that and then eventually become that person. I, that, this is a story that I'm really drawn towards, but because I think, she, because these are the these are the stories in life that I find are. Most exciting, and I think the the heroes of our our greatest heroes are the unlikely heroes. I think when when you read the news and you feel like this person was not meant to do this, and then suddenly was was you know just decided to help these these hundred innocent people. I just feel like that really touches me and that really moves me, and that's that's ultimately. I think we all describe what we want to be and become as filmmakers. And I think, you know, I'm waiting for my hero moment. I'm waiting for the moment where I'm like, crew, fo- you know, follow me. And then I save a hundred people from some drowning disaster. <laughs> where do you think uh, some of that, maybe in hindsight, where did that confidence come from? Was it the artistic parents? Like you stepped into this uh, position to direct transporter. I also spoke with Jeffrey and Will yesterday and they said, everyone was kind of concerned about the carriage scene, but you had no concerns. You were very confident you could get it done. Like, where does that kind of come from? It's, it's, I, I, um, it's funny. It's, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all a game. You know, I'm, I'm as terrified, if not more, uh, than anybody else, but I, it's, I, I sort of like, I know that with hard work and surrounding myself with, the best people, i.e., Jeff and Will, that we can get it done. And and the carriage stuff was a was a good, it was a good example of it's when something has never been done before. Then there's no. It's actually easier because there's no reference. It's not like people, no one will compare you to this. So it, it actually gives me wings. If if I was to, tomorrow to tell you, oh, I'm going to do uh, the greatest single shot movie of all time i would be terrified because obviously uh, a lot of people have done that but if but but to do an, an incredible action sequence around a moving carriage using puppets and no one's ever done that then we all we all roll up our sleeves together and we say all right how do we do this it's it, it's better it's less for me it's less 
it, it it's it's less scary to approach something uh, of this enormous magnitude when you you don't have somebody breathing over your shoulder. <laughs> it's easy. It's easier. But you know, and I actually like when somebody says it's impossible. It actually gives it gives me the 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 wings to make it possible. I think it's just it makes it, because 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 so much because every shot every every good take every is a victory and every the whole the energy felt on set when we were when we were doing great takes and we were watching them back on playback was so incredible and I think it's this it's more like and and so there's the carriage thing but I feel like ultimately the carriage scene but ultimately. This entire, these ten hours of extreme, extreme, extreme puppeteering, as, as I call it, were were groundbreaking. And ev- and every time we were doing something that had never been done before, it was invigorating the entire crew. So when you shoot for a year, you need you need to win battle, little victory. You had to have little victories, two, three, four, six times a day. And then so everybody comes back the next day, you know, more and more excited. So what do we do today? What are we going to do? And then so they saw the we saw those scenes coming, the pages of like, you know, jumping out of a castle, swimming underwater. We'd never done that. So we were like, every morning we were having breakfast meetings when people, and they were my, bring a problem up to the crew and let's solve it together. So it, it was not for the day, but it was like, okay, guys, in three weeks, in a month, in two months, we're going to shoot Rian jumping out of the, out of the uh, window of the castle and then uh, hitting the water. And then we see him swimming. Let's figure out how we can have a puppet swim. Obviously, it's not on the water, but how, let's figure it out, how we use lighting and wind and which, which speed of camera and how we, where is the camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And everything was so exciting. It's, it just makes, it makes the whole process so much more fluid and much, much more invigorating. Are you still, uh, for like the carriage scene, are you still looking to some live action references like maybe the Indiana Jones truck thing or some older Westerns or something? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that it, it was exactly that. It was our, it was the, it was a big homage to, to the Westerns, uh, of the past. And then obviously the, that amazing, which was an homage to, uh, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, uh, tr- uh, truck sequence. So these were a reference. This was, this was when we came up with this idea in the, in the, in the writer's room, this was what wouldn't be fun if, yeah, and then we looked at each other like, this is crazy. How will we do it? <laughs> like I said, like, like Jeff and Jeff and Will said, me saying, yeah, we'll figure it out. And they're like, okay, moving on. Uh, but it's, it, it was, it was really, I think what was fun with this show in particular was to take um, some iconic moments, visual moments that uh, we, you know, of, of the, the greatest movies of all time. And then, bring them on a puppet scale, like in this puppet world. And how do we do it? And and I think it's if if all the puppets were to hop around and dance and just do this for, for ten hours, it wouldn't have been interesting. So we were just like we we're like we really try to create a human story with a with a capital H uh using foam and rubber and and lots and lots of polystyrene. But that was that that really was that you know, ultimately, a 
human story has to be thrilling. So we, we had to create the thrill. So we, we were, we had to use reference and we had to set the bar really, really high in order to, uh, in order to, because, you no, know, because ultimately there's so much choice on TV and so much choice in the movies. When you turn on your, no one will look at a show and be like, Oh, it's not that it's nothing is, I'm not as, moved or it doesn't move as fast or it's less thrilling than anything else I see but it's a but it's done with puppets so yeah it's good enough no one cares about it's good enough it has to be as good and as thrilling as Game of Thrones as Indiana Jones as all that stuff and who cares about puppets most of the people don't know if it's CG or puppets or you know how how we did it and they don't know and they don't care and that should be this way and that's actually much better this way so we chose we chose the most difficult way of achieving it <laughs> by, by deciding to do it all practical and all puppets. But it's our problem. It's not theirs. It's not the audience's problem. So you mentioned kind of, you know, growing up on Jim Henson and, and Spielberg. When you came in and, and signed on to do a 10-hour project like this, did you just, tr- you know, fully trust the team you're working with? Or did, what did you feel like you had to know before you kind of came in the first day? I told them um, I know nothing please take me to puppet school. So I, the, the, the only way to make a puppet show was to, to, to uh, I mean, the, the only and best way to make a puppet show is to do it with the Jim Henson company, obviously. So because they are the best in the world and the masters and they, and so they took me and, and really that project was six, five years and four and a half years in gestation of just me trying learning storyboarding uh, seeing how a puppet how a puppet is built understanding and tr- actually suggesting how we can enhance uh the build of a puppet just to make things easier and more more you know lighter faster and all that stuff but i feel it was like it was uh, i had to surround myself to to deep dive into their pool and to have them tell me how things are done in order for me to wrap my head around the technique and technology and lack thereof both technique and technology because i think sometimes it's more like this the simpler the better and don't try to move your puppet too much because you don't need to like we're doing something very different than the muppet show we're doing we're doing emotional puppetry which is actually very thrilling and and horrifying and you know it was it was very different than oh it's a funny piece of rubber that that moves and bends around this was completely different this had to be this this had to make us cry uh and so uh it just it, it really was was it was a slow not hard just because everybody's like really kind and patient but it was a slow process and we were meeting i was meeting them every week for years and years and years and then and then learning and then we shot some little short films together and some tests and some things and i just was i was trying to bring bring puppetry like i said into the world of the rest of the movie making the way movie making is done these days so because no one would care if it were a puppet so it was more like okay you know you've seen avatar you've seen uh, raiders and you've seen game of thrones how do you bring all these puppets and you make you bring them on par with all this excitement that we see in the movies and on TV. How do we do that? 
uh, and that that was a uh, that was that was obviously visual technology. But frankly, because you know your screenwriting, it's it, it's it's really about the story. It was not not being afraid of uh, tr- um, t- taking taking themes that are actually have never been treated with puppets before uh, and making and not being afraid of playing with emotion and thrills and horror and and just go and go deep into this rabbit hole and never and go go in it without a net without without and then suddenly they break into a dance and it's a big it's a big joke no it was like they, it goes deep like once once we're into once the story accelerates it just it just spins and spins and gets deeper and more emotional and people and lives get lost and it's just it's it's it was not only but it started with Jeff with Will with Javi with all the all amazing writers uh in the writers room and and obviously with the leadership of Lisa Hansen um Holly Stanford and everybody at Hansen who who had been doing children television for the for 20 years and now we're 30 years and now we're like okay we're going to do something different we're going to do children television well family television but in a way that has never been seen before and so so we were so we went so I mentioned I spoke with the um, creators that they described you as a gentle hand in the process that you kind of guided them and you've already mentioned some leadership. Do you have any other uh, advice about someone trying to direct something or maybe take on a new challenge they haven't done before? How do you kind of inspire the team and those kind of things? Yeah, it's all, it's, uh, that's very nice of them. To tell. Yeah, I was always present. I was always I was always guiding people in the direction that I thought was right, but I was not fighting them on anything that I I, I didn't think wasn't right. Because I was I was always surprised. I think there's always something something positive that comes out of the true conviction of someone, and even if they if they fight. If if it goes against your initial instinct as a you know as the leader, just listen to them. I think it was. It, it, I think great. I think the director's best friend is compromise. I think I think to 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 be told, uh, we're 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 going to do this. Yes, yeah, we heard you. We're doing going to do this, but one, we don't have enough money, or the technology won't allow us, or we think this is better. For the story, because of this verse, this idea, and you just li- you listen. You don't fight back. You just listen and let it l- l- let it let let the let the idea grow. The, um, it's, you know, there's something that Chamberlain says in the thing, which is very much what I do. It's like you plant you plant ideas and let them grow into truths. You know, that's the idea. It's, it's the thing. It's sort of like you just wait. You just let people let let ideas grow. Don't don't sort of like put the kibbutz on on everything. Otherwise, you just like then you're like fighting everyone. And it becomes like a, such a hardious process. I knew I knew the task at hand was so massive that I had to sometimes take a back seat. And in the writers' room, I just love to be very present in the story breaking but also relaxing on the dialogue and then coming back at the end and then making it work and then losing, you know, and then it's creating a little bit of, um, 
of a dance between the writers, myself, the puppet builders, myself. It just in letting everybody bring their best to the table and really being passionate about their ideas. Because afterwards, that becomes the dialogue becomes interesting. They're passionate about my their idea. I'm passionate about about mine. If I don't let them be passionate about their ideas, then it's just like it's too. It's just it's it's just a it it will never take flight. And that's what I try to do. And that's my advice to everybody. It's sort of like just surround yourself with the best people that you think are the best and the best for the show and then let them do what they know uh, to do best and then and then afterwards bring bring your take but then ultimately who cares it's it's my name at the end of the credit sequence so it's like people will be like oh if it's a great idea it's like people will be oh it's, it was his idea so I'm like okay <laughs> I'm fine I'm very fine this is also from the guys. So you're the only one who's ever done this to this scale. Um, is there anything you would have done differently? Uh, <laughs> not do it at this scale and alone. It's just, it's just like so exhausting. I lost so much sleep over that. I mean, they're literally a year later now. I'm like, oh, I don't remember that day at all. I don't remember. It was so incredibly hard. Um, uh, but it's, I didn't know how to do it differently. I, I, I didn't know how to surround myself again because it was like we're 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 building we're building the 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 landing strip uh, uh, or the takeoff strip as the plane was you know about to be stuff it was just, you know we was just like we we didn't know we're reinventing something that had been done once and brilliantly, but once in the 80s, in the late 70s. And it was like something that was such a piece of, such a beautiful piece of magic that we had to, and we didn't have too many people that were present then. And we just, and the people that were there, we asked them for advice and they were like, yeah, I remember this, but this I absolutely don't remember. So I don't know how they did this. And so we just had to do it. So, so we, I felt like I had to be present every step of the way. And I'm very happy I did because it's like, you know, it's such a, I, I, I'm very, I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever been able to work on. And it's like a, it's a piece of art, but it's, 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 like, it's, it overtook my life. I literally was like, I, I burnt out, uh, doing this show. It's just, it's so, 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 so hard. Um, uh, uh, I just hope, I just hope that people keep making and I think Netflix will, but like, you know, I guess they keep showing us that they do, but taking those big giant leaps of faith, I think that was, that was on their part, such a, an amazing decision to, to go for an all puppet cast, uh, using all practical, dealing with mature themes, but also addressing them for a family audience. And I think it's just, I think these are, these are, this is why Netflix is so great and number one and will remain number one for a long time. It's just feel like they're like they are not cutting corners or, or or just trying to they're trying to tell the best possible story for the for a certain audience. They're not trying to please everyone. They're trying to make one story for the best way possible because 
people, yeah, if you don't like it, you'll, you'll change it and you have, you'll find something that you absolutely love, Tiger King, for example. But then you'll, you'll, then you, but then you'll come back and be like, that thing just, it kept, those puppets, they kept haunting me. So let me go back and finish that story. So you can go back. That's the beauty of, of Netflix. You can, it, 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 you, every day is premiere weekend. You can, you can rediscover Dark Crystal three years from now and fall in love with it. And then just, I think it's, that's the beauty of it. And, and yes, it was a hard, the hardest I've ever worked, but it's, um, uh, I would, I, I, to answer your question, I would do it again. I, I would not hesitate to do it again and all by myself. Also, I mean, surrounding by my crew, but like all by myself, directing everything, producing everything by myself. Because it's like, it was the most thrilling experience of my life. And that is our show. Thanks again for tuning in. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud or iTunes. Also check out the new video essay series on YouTube called Creative Principles. And give us a review. That's one of the best ways to help share these interviews. Thanks again.